0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 94, for March 5th, 2007.
1: (laughs) Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. But, of course, John already said that, so I think we don't need to say that twice. Why do you always say that? I don't know. This is our this is our Mother Nature
0: has bestowed us with liquid goodness show. Uh, OK. Well, no. Didn't you get like I got snow. Are you done with the water and the snow and the ice and and all that stuff we got on Friday days ago. Uh
1: Yeah. I Man, mean, there's still there. snow on the ground, but, you know, that's how it goes. I had a lake in my backyard. I never had a lake back there. <laughs> hey, well, did it freeze and can you go skating now? No, that's how no I learned way. to skate as a kid. You know, uh, my sister got got
0: got uh, flooded a TV room, which is very ooh, sad. That's not good. Yeah, because the big screen TV is there. That's that's a tragedy.
1: So yeah, not good. All right, so this is the uh, the the long awaited clean up your Mac show, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of different things that we can do to streamline our Macs. This this started as sort of a personal quest because my MacBook Pro was running slow and I couldn't figure some stuff out and I think I had a couple of memory leaks and so I just started cleaning it up and about halfway through that I thought, wait a minute, let me write this down. This is this is good stuff. And uh, so John and I have been compiling this for a couple of weeks. I don't believe we're going to do any comments or, or phone calls today, or messages, voicemails, whatever you want to call them. It's just uh, me, John, and, and the peppermint tea here with, uh... do you, are you drinking peppermint tea tonight, John?
0: No, oh. no. So we have absorbed all of your emails and audio questions, and
1: we have. Yeah, <laughs> you have. John has absorbed all of your emails and audio <laughs> questions, and we certainly appreciate that. On behalf of John, I thank you. Did you read any of this stuff? No, I read none. Listen? of no, Listen, okay. No, we'll, next week we'll be back to to questions and all that. So uh, right. we'll we'll start at the beginning at, with startup and all of the things that uh, that that happen there. So. One of the first, as far as cleaning up your Mac, one of the first places to check is your. If you go into System Preferences, Accounts, and choose Login, uh, or Login Items rather, you'll see a list of applications that start when your computer starts up. And as with any of this stuff, if you don't know what it is, leave it alone, or Google it until you're confident that, yep, I know what it is, and I'm cool with removing it. But uh, you know. What I did before I started messing with anything, of course, was I shot a full backup first. Uh, I used mm-hmm. Retrospect. Although, I've actually been using a program called Sync Backup, which I we'll want to talk about a little bit uh, a little later, or another show, maybe. But uh, but shoot a backup. Get a, a, a full clone of, of your system before you start yanking stuff uh, out and changing settings and all that good thing. So, login items is one place to check. It's an obvious place. Most of you probably have been there many times. And the checkbox... I've seen people come here and not read the, the the column headers. There, there's a checkbox here for hiding the app when it launches, so that you won't see any windows from the app or anything when it starts up. That is not the on and off checkbox. So if you want something to to be removed, you have to highlight it and hit the uh, the minus sign down at the at the bottom of that window there. So that's one thing to check. The other thing is an app that. That John has mentioned a couple of times called Lingon, which you can use to create different startup uh, events. We actually talked about it in the last podcast with the uh, iTunes Geek Challenge where it was monitoring a folder and then calling scripts. There are a bunch of things that can that can start when the system starts up. And some apps, I've actually seen it, put things in here. Really what you're looking for is My Agents, Users Agents, and Users Demons. Again, this is a third-party app that monitors and manages the launch d services on your Mac, which are the things that that start up and trigger events, so many of you won't see anything in here, but it's worth checking uh because if if you do have something in here you know it's it's launching fairly regularly, so it's good to know about right you you said in in yours you don't have anything right John no so uh. So like I guess what did you find? Uh, actually, that 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 very backup program that I just mentioned, SyncD, puts uh, put something out there, and I believe mm. Retrospect also uh, mm. bundled something out here. I, I forget. There, there's nothing on the on the dual G4 that I podcast on here, but uh, I know there was there were two things on my MacBook Pro, and I'm pretty sure it was those two. So mm. that's uh, now you're talking
0: about startup. I, I want to toss yep. one thing, which is kind yep. of taking a step back, but. If you really want to see what's happening, because one thing that, at least to me, sometimes is a mystery, yep. is when you're looking at the pretty screen when you first boot your Mac, what is going on there? Ah. Something must be happening. Yeah, So sure. I thought I'd mention verbose mode. Yep. Um, which, for most machines, I'm looking here. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's it's all Command machines. Command or Apple key. Okay, and V for verbose. And what you will see is, uh, from, from what I recall, is pretty much a text dump of what you would see on a lot of Unix installations where it's talking about all the services, sometimes, you know, things it's waiting for, um, you know, connected peripherals and stuff. And, and that can, uh, hey, it's just fun to watch, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, not a, there's not a ton of diagnostics that you can pull out of that unless, you, unless you've got a baseline, right? If you watch it every time mm. your Mac boots... Uh, and, and then you start seeing a problem, you might be able to go there and say, oh, wait, I, you know that's not something I've seen before, and, and that may help you. Otherwise, th- there's so much information there that it's tough to see. <laughs> yeah. um, once your Mac does boot up, if you want to see what happened there, you can type uh, a command called dmessage, which will show you a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just right in the... Uh, sorry, if you go to the terminal, rather, and type dmessage, D-M-E-S-G. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I... I, I, did a, I did a very bad thing. I'm not used to just, I don't usually just skip right over something like that. So anyway, <laughs> uh, command line D-M-E-S-G will show you uh, the, the most recent stuff in that log. If you do it immediately upon boot up, you'll see the things that, that appeared when, uh, when the system started up. So,
0: Yeah, I've used it when, especially if the machine all of a sudden doesn't start up. Sometimes yes. it may be hanging on a piece of hardware or driver, or yep. the network. So every now and then you can you can look and say, oh, okay, this is the part. Now a lot of it is you know Unix speak, so it may be kind of hard to uh, figure out exactly what's going on. But uh, but a good a uh,
1: good tool for startup problems. Absolutely. And of course, Google is your friend there. You know, highlight a piece of text. Oh, well, of course you can't do that while it's starting up. But if you find it in D message, or if you've written it down and you see it coming through, go into Google. Type the entire line and put it in quotes so that you're only searching for exactly that text. And and believe it or not, you can you can often find a lot of good stuff there. So, um, the uh, another great place to check is library. So uh, if you go to your hard drive to the library folder, not the one in your user folder, but hard drive library startup items. And uh, you know it's interesting. I hadn't done any of this cleanup stuff on the dual G4 that that I podcast on. So now I'm looking on this machine in library startup items and seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven items, which of course it counts at the bottom. Only one of which I need. Uh, So I will be going back and pulling things out like Adobe for version Q, which I don't need on this machine and virtual PC OS services, which I don't use anymore. Things like Mm -hmm. that. There can be a lot of cruft out here that, uh, that you just want to get rid of. Right
0: uh i'm I'm seeing stuff here now I'm kind of nervous like I see open base pure f. d. p. it looks like a retro run so so at least yep. on my system here it looks like well there's something sidetrack I'm not sure what that is the date is yeah kind of early though actually oh it's the same date as retro run so I'm gonna bet it's part of that
1: um yeah so on, on seems this machine I've got... i'm
0: not sure who uses open base but
1: yeah. that could be questionable yeah that's interesting I've got open Finally. base in mind too uh so. There you go. Again, a Google search for for anything that you find and you're not sure why it's there, uh, you know, pull it. I know that virtual PC OS services here is certainly something I don't need anymore because I don't use virtual PC on this machine. So there go. I'm happy removing it. Open base. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there you go. Um, along those lines, uh, kind of following through here. This isn't really startup stuff, but it certainly can can impact things. If you look in the Library QuickTime folder again, this is slash Library at the at the root level of your hard drive, uh, Library slash QuickTime. All of of the QuickTime components can be there. Now, this is this is a great place to look for anyone who's using an Intel Mac who migrated their system up using the Migration Assistant from a previous version. You may find out here that there are. Um, Components or, that are old and perhaps not not uh, universal, I believe, and that can uh, that can impact things. So uh, definitely good to go in here and and you know check things out. Make sure you're running the latest version. I just noticed I'm not running the latest version of DivX on this machine, which I should be. But uh, but that's not loaded either. So
0: now, how would I tell if something is universal? Yeah, or that's not? a good
1: question. I, um, if you I'm highlight in the info, and I don't see it, I, I just highlighted the DivX component. And uh, it's called Divix space five dot component. And I mm-hmm. did a get info on it and it says kind component. And then in parentheses, power PC. So, oh,
0: okay. I'm sorry. No, I did that too. You're, yeah. you're right. Actually, yeah. I opened a
1: Divix thing too. And mine says component mm-hmm. universal, right? Cause you're using version six. So there uh-huh. you go. And Divix is a great <laughs> thing to use for uh, playing back movies and stuff. Excellent compression. Just as an aside. So uh, there are a bunch of other folders like this to look in now. Uh, we just mentioned these two that are in slash library slash, you know, startup items and slash QuickTime. The the, remain, the remaining, what, five folders that we have uh, that we're going to mention here, actually each have two copies. One is at this same level, slash library slash whatever, and then the other is in your home folder, so slash users slash home slash library slash whatever. And the first one, uh, it's a great thing to check, again, for the same reason uh, for a lot of you Intel users. Is library slash internet plugins, and there will be two of these potentially on your system. Uh, and again, you highlight the uh, the plugin and do a get info, and it'll tell you if it's PowerPC or Intel. And I actually found quite a few PowerPC plugins sitting around in my uh, in my Safari folder or in my internet plugins folder on my MacBook Pro. Presumably, it won't be able to load them, but it, who knows? It might be trying to and and running them in uh, Rosetta and you know slowing things down. So. <laughs> No, I think way. another
0: place to look for that, yes, um, in System Profiler, yeah, which you can get to if you go to About This Mac and say More Info. Right. Um, I'm looking here, and there are some software categories, which I think some of them, I don't know an exact mapping, but I see like one here called Extensions another called yep. Frameworks, and I think yep. some of these things are what you'll also find in the folders that we've been mentioning. And typically, from what I've seen in the latest version of System Profiler, it'll have a column. Uh, or you can choose a column. Sometimes you have to add it uh, yep. with the uh, the type. where it'll say Intel, Motorola, or I'm sorry, PowerPC Power or yep. Universal.
1: Cool. So just another way to get that stuff. Yep. Another folder to look at, again, both in home and, and the root of the drive, is library input managers. On mine, I've got uh, a menu extra enabler, which presumably was installed by our favorite menu meters. Uh, eCAM folder for uh, the, uh, the 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 iChat, eyesight Enhancer, and Conference Recorder um eyeglasses is what the mm-hmm. eyesight Enhancer is called, and then I've got one for checks here too. Again, these are all things that I know that I have, and I'm happy to, you know, I want to keep them, but this is where that stuff is, and if you've got a system that you've been migrating and migrating and migrating, say from, you know, 10.3 on up, uh, or 10. Point, even 10.2 if you've been copying stuff over it, that, that can... uh definitely worth taking a look here i found like i said a lot of things on my macbook pro it was like oh yeah i don't need this anymore especially being a tinkerer and testing things out for the show and that sort of thing so application enhancers is another one you may not have this folder if you don't run any uh, anything that uses the application enhancer framework but uh but those things can can really muck with the system if uh if you've got something installed that, that you know they can they have the potential to conflict because they load with everything so that's uh that's another good one to look at contextual menu items things that are added to <laughs> the uh the contextual menu on your mac again you know that i've seen things in here that you know i, I remember at one point with one of my Macs every time i right clicked on something in the finder my machine would reboot. It's like, okay, you know, gotta dig and find that. And sure enough, I had something loaded here that was getting in the way. And uh, and last but not least is preference panes. When you have all those extra things added in your system preferences, this is where they live. And again, they can be system wide uh, by being in slash library slash preference panes, or in your home folder and then library and preference panes. And the difference there, of course, is if it's in if it's system wide, it will apply to all users. And if it's in your home folder, obviously, just your user. So there you go. Now, what I've noticed with the preference panes, which
0: usually, if you look in system preferences, they're in the other. That's right. Like on the very bottom. Yep. Um, they didn't. I don't think they had this initially. Uh, I think it's fairly new. But if you do a uh, right click. Yep. On them, it will say remove. Blah 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 preference pane. And okay. I don't know if that removes it at the same. And actually, that may be the. Better way to do a preference pane is through here. Okay. So I'm assuming that it may take some data along with it if you get rid of it, not just delete the uh, the pane. Yeah. Unless the data is stored in the pane, I'm not sure if it is.
1: Yep. There, there's actually an app, and I see the last time it was updated was May of last year. An app called Diablotin, or I don't know how it's uh, mm-hmm. put it in the show notes, but uh, <laughs> it it manages all of this stuff. It it, it kind of gives you a graphical interface of. Uh, you know, with little triangles and categories and that sort of thing, and uh, allows you to turn this stuff on and off. And when you turn it on and off, what what this does is it creates a, uh, let's say, for example, for the startup items, it'll be slash library slash startup items, space, and then in parentheses, disabled with a capital D. Um, And other things do that too. It's it's sort of a universally accepted, if not, you know, Apple published way of managing this stuff. So if you have things that you're going to, delete maybe first create a, a disabled folder move it into that it will certainly keep it from loading next time you you restart or launch whatever app it would be that that pulled this stuff in but it's a good way to you know kind of keep it tucked away in case you say whoa, whoa wait i actually needed that and then you can put it back and you're good to go so Diabloton yeah. is a way to manage all of this stuff if you don't want to do it manually so there you go right right sometimes I, I, yes I will zip things or
0: archive them if I wanna test if they uh, if they're causing a problem or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's sometimes a good idea. I found just copying or moving around uh, I think I was tennis better with this, but Sometimes things may get followed, even if, if if you just move them somewhere else. Sometimes right. that works. Sometimes it doesn't. So, but a lot of times, what I'll do is zip it and then throw away the original. In which case, it's obviously not going to try to execute the uh, the zip file. It's gone. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes that that may be a good strategy if if you really want to find out if the system has you know totally become unaware of something, or or it's still
1: trying to cling on to parts that uh, <laughs> you're right. trying to get rid of. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break here. We we have uh, a new sponsor this week. Uh, and Audible is our sponsor. They have actually offered you our listeners a fourteen day free trial of Audible Listener Gold and one free download. Now uh, you have to click on a link in the show notes. It's already there. You don't have to wait for the show notes to be finished. It's already there. To take advantage of the f- the free download, there with Audible you can listen on your iPod, on your Trio. You can burn to CD. You can listen on your PC or Mac. And they've got tons and tons of devices supported. And there's all sorts of different books available that you can get. There's the uh, Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs. The Icon Steve Jobs book, the the one that was you know sort of uh, mm. controversial. Mm. They've got uh, I Was, How I Invented the Personal Computer and Had Fun Along the Way. All of this stuff is available. You download it and it'll sync up to whatever portable device or simply listen to it on your computer. Again, audible.com, but go ahead and click through the show notes uh, from, at macgeekcab.com and get a 14-day free trial of Audible Listener Gold and one free download just for being a listener of the Mac Geek Cab. So there you go, audible.com. Amazing. There you go. I've, I've heard of them.
0: <laughs> you told me you were going to say that's, that. That's bad. Uh... <laughs> Oh, so moving right along, yeah. I guess I, I get to yammer a bit here. What do you think? Yammer yeah. away. <laughs> so one thing I want to mention, um, and that this is more for people who administer and have multi-user machines, If um, we'll revisit the account section that Dave was talking about earlier with the login items. But in this case, if you're looking at the accounts on the left there, especially if you have a lot of users, uh, you know, some people may maybe be be a bit more enthusiastic in their use of, of the Internet um, or the computer in general. And yep. w- one thing thought I mentioned is just, you know, look through the user accounts. Just make sure that they're all needed because there may be, you know, who the heck knows? I mean, I, I personally don't administer systems with a lot of people, so I can usually figure out, you know, who's responsible for the, the big hugging of disk space. But, right. uh, and and the, the nice Apple step, so if you do get rid of another account, It'll say, all right, do you really want me to nuke everything in this account, or would you like me to kind of put it in a deleted folder, inside the users folder, so it's a right. uh, deleted users, I think, and then the name of the user, in case you're, like, maybe threatening somebody, like, okay, look here and take your stuff before I get rid of all of it, so, that's right. um, I'm, in general, I guess I'm just talking about being aware of, or, you know, getting rid of something that's absolutely not being used, and. and potentially clearing out a lot of space. You may be surprised at what some of your users have been doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's I'll leave good. it at that. Yeah, there you go. There Now, one thing, as you were saying that, it reminded me of what Windows XP or in, and even NT did, where you could see how big each user's home directory was. In Mac OS that it, it's not apparent there, but what you can do is... Uh, I guess you'd have to go to, you can't navigate with the finder because you don't necessarily have rights to all of the other users' directories. So you would have to go to the terminal, right, and navigate to Mm. the user folder in question, right, or navigate to simply, you know, cd slash users, right, and then type sudo, S-U-D-O, space, df as in donald fagan our favorite uh member of steely dan there space uh dash h for human readable and then the name of the user the short name and that will ask you then for your password and give you the size of i'm sorry it's sudo d h right dh no what's the command it's not df df is is full disks uh Help me here, John. What's the command? (laughs) Why can't I think of this? DU. Sorry, it's DU, disk usage. So it's (laughs) sudo space DU, so Donald underpants, dash H, and then the uh, name of the user. And that should give you... uh, Why isn't that working? Huh. Du should do it, but for me, it's listing out everything. You know, I wonder if uh. OS I wonder if OS ten's usage of the du command is no. Different. I just did it, and did pseudo, it do it for you?
0: Sudo du slash user slash and one of the users in there. Yeah, it showed the uh, it showed the, all the, the, the links d- just for that user.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it shouldn't.
0: No, I did sudo du.
1: Yeah, huh? But it, yeah, for some reason it's not showing. But I see any. where
0: you're. But I see where you're going. That, yeah, the du is normally a disk usage. And, it is uh, disk usage. Normally, if you type type it, it'll uh, say permission denied because right. You're, but that's sort of pseudo.
1: And I so, guess actually, if you do h hc, so one for human output, and then one for uh for a total, it'll actually at the bottom will show you a total of what. That user has so that's the way to get there. It will list everything as you as you scroll through. But at the bottom, if you do the the c option, so sudo sorry, sudo space d u space dash h c space and the name of the user will give you the list. But there's a better way of doing this, right, John? You can use one of those apps that you were talking about earlier, which is oh wait wait hold on oh Omni surprising. Disk Sweeper right? I
0: need to, I'm sorry. There we go. Yes, um, so a couple of ways you could do this. I guess one is uh, not this app, but calculate folder sizes in the Finder. But eh, it's kind of annoying to do that all over the place. And it's it's right. not necessarily the nicest view. And this is something that, yeah, I looked at quite a while ago, Omni Disk Sweeper. And it's just probably the best interface that you can have to this, uh, you know, sort of information about how big everything is. But, but it's also nice because it has a couple of goodies, like it won't let you... Uh, Destroy your system. <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> it'll right. prevent you from, uh, you know, deleting things that that should not be deleted, which uh, normally the system does anyways. But um, right. But it yeah, will. But out, it will uh, let
1: you search. It will let you get usage information uh, as an administrator, right? So you can see things that your user account normally would not be able to uh, to see, right? I'm pr- I'm pretty uh, sure I, I remember just, that.
0: Yeah, I just ran the demo and yeah, it showed me everything. There was uh, no restrictions. No restrictions. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. So, it's nice you can download it. You can try it for free. You can't enable the delete functionality unless you uh you uh pay them so uh so that sounds oh. fair yeah
1: that's, that's So, so they, see if you like they it. dangle it out in front of you there. that's smart yeah, yeah, hey, hey, gotta make a buck um okay so i I told you that this uh this whole process started because I had a memory leak. One of the things that i I noticed was just eating up more and more memory was the System UI Server app. And I noticed this by looking (laughs) in Activity Monitor and looking and sorting by the real memory column. And I noticed on most machines, System UI Server would be at, you know, somewhere anywhere between 10 and let's say 40 megs at the the top. On mine, it was, you know, after a a day or two after a reboot, it was in the hundreds. Like, okay, what the heck? So I figured out that System UI Server is the engine that among other things, puts all the stuff in your menu bar. So like menu meters and, uh, you know, your airport menu and your volume menu and all of the little things that you can, you know, turn on and off that that live up there. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, let's let's dig a little. And I thought, well, maybe menu meters, because it was happening on all three of my machines. And on all three of my machines, I run menu meters. So I turned off menu meters, didn't fix the problem. All right. Now we got to start looking here. So, what I did was, uh, and BB Edit is actually very cool for this. If you don't use BB Edit or, or even uh, Text Wrangler, you should. If you look at home, library, preferences, and then com.apple.systemuiserver.plist, uh, normally it's going to be a garbled file if you just open it up in any text editor because it's a plist and they're stored in, I guess, binary format. But BB Edit will show it to you in its its text format and actually will update live so if you go into say you know your preferences and turn on turn off you know dot max sync menu it you'll magically see it disappear in MVB uh, edit which is actually pretty cool because you can monitor things so i deleted this file and forced it to recreate it, it had no menu meters which was like living without my arm but uh <laughs> but you know watched it for a day and then just started turning things on and what i noticed was when i turned on the dot max sync notification uh Which is just a simple little menu that shows you the last time the computer was synced with dot Mac and allows you to force a sync immediately and also then open up your dot mac system preference pane that's all it does and when it's syncing the little uh it's the little dot mac you know uh, spinning arrows thing that goes around and around, and that was it, having that turned on and nothing else caused my system to bloat up and it was happening on all three of mine. So I can only assume now, obviously this I'm I'm sure this isn't happening to all of you, but I do use your Jimbo and your Jimbo sinks big chunks of data, right? Much bigger than say the address book or bookmarks or anything like that. So I can only assume that, that having your Jimbo syncing uh, because that's the only oddball thing that I, not oddball, but the only third party thing that I had uh, <laughs> was causing it. And of course I can't live without your Jimbo. So I just turned off the, uh, the dot Mac Sync menu and the problem went away. That was it. No more, uh, no more bloating. And so I was back to all that. But being able to watch as I turn things on and off uh, in that system UI server thing really let me know what was going on. And I also found some stuff out there that you know was ages old, and they they were non-existent menus, but for whatever reason were still listed there. So it was uh, a good time to go through and clean things up. And that was the catalyst to what has become this show. So there you go. Huh.
0: Now, there may be another fun place to look in in where you mentioned earlier, activity monitor. Yep. So if you take a process, you double-click on it, one of the options that you get, which uh, is incredibly geeky, is open files and ports. Oh, yeah. And that probably shows you way more than you ever wanted to know about why that process is there. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But it can lead you... uh, There's a lot of extra stuff that probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but, uh, but it can show you all of the things attached to any process for that matter, which, uh, yep. and it shows you the parent process and, and all sorts of other fun things. So always things. a interesting yep. place to look to, you know, if you just run out of options, just, uh,
1: okay okay so by default spotlight we all know spotlight some of us love it some of us hate it some of us use it despite nice. despite the fact that we love it and hate it um if you go into your spotlight preferences by default everything in there is checked okay and i we talking about system preferences spotlight oh yeah so you're searching everything now for me even though i use apple mail i don't want spotlight searching mail if i want to search for a mail message i'm good you know mm-hmm. i can do that from within mail um, I don't need it searching my bookmarks or my music or my movies or my fonts or, you know, that sort of thing. So you can come in here and do two things. One is disable the stuff you don't need and really think hard about, you know, do I need it to search system preferences? And again, this is only the, the system wide spotlight. If you're in system preferences and start typing in the search box there, it's going to search system preferences, you know. So really think about what you need it to search and try and pare that down because this this can dramatically increase increase spotlight speed and then the other thing you do is reorder things in here and whatever order they are in 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 this search results pane is the order in which they will appear when you do your spotlight searching so very very handy so first thing come in here pare this down organize it the way you want and then go to the terminal and in the terminal you're going to tell it to re build your spotlight index and doing this made spotlight infinitely faster on my macbook pro despite the fact that i had already reconfigured all this stuff um so what i did was i went uh, to the terminal and it's a command called mdutil but again it needs to run as a privileged account so you need to use sudo sudo space mdutil space dash capital e space just for your main hard drive slash that's it, the slash underneath the question mark next to the shift key, the normal slash, and return. This will take a little bit of time, and then that's it. You're done. Um, I also highly recommend if you've got, say, a, a FireWire disk that you're backing up to, go to the private, again, back in the system preference pane for Spotlight, go to the privacy tab and add the the other disks here, uh, right? Especially if you've got a clone of your Thank your you for mentioning platform. this. Yeah, because I was going to interject, because that
0: drives, it drives me nuts, too. You plug in a drive, and all of a sudden, everything grinds to a halt, mm. and it's like... It sucks. Is it? And then yeah. you, you may notice the little the blinking center of the uh, spyglass in the upper right-hand corner, right. which is the only indication that you get, unless you're using menu meters, of course. Of course. In which case, you can see the hard drive all of a sudden is is going crazy Thrashing. because it's indexing yeah. this new device, which is probably very polite and nice because you may want that. But what if you don't? Yeah, yeah. So you get a dog of a drive and uh, well,
1: well worth coming out here and and adding that stuff and and you really, I mean, you can go you can go nuts here if you decide. Look, all I want is you know, uh, things in my my users folder to be. Uh, to be searched, you can really come in and start adding all kinds of things. You can add your library folder and, you know, your, uh, what other folders are there? Uh, your applications folder. If you don't want that though, I like to have my applications folder search, the developer folder, the system folder. You can add that stuff here and then spotlight won't search that stuff either. And it really does help narrow it down. So, uh, I have found that if you're going to change what it indexes on any given drive, then go ahead and, and do that that, uh, that delete spotlight index or reindex index spotlight um, command that we talked about with MDUtil because it, it, it really does kind of, having it re-index that, at least on, on my systems, has made it a whole lot snappier once I make sweeping changes like this. But well, well worth it. Excellent. Yeah. Now, I
0: think we had uh, many shows ago, a person had a problem where I think it was eternally indexing. It would never yes. stop. Yeah, because it got confused probably due to a crash or something. Sure. While it was making the file, and it, it's like, oh, I better make it again. Better make it again. Yeah. And it just that <laughs> and that, that this I think was the solution is you just gun the file and it'll. Uh... Yep.
1: Do <clears throat> so you want to tell God. them how to be smart, John?
0: Well, number one, you can listen to this show. <laughs> Thank you. That yeah. was beautiful. Okay. That was beautiful. No, um, or you can just be born that way, or. Um, if you have a uh, particular type of hard drive, now unfortunately this is only available, I believe, Dave, on, on ATA, not, not on older SCSI drives. This is um, smart, um, which oh, no, I don't no, know no. what it No, it's available, for. It's
1: available on, on SCSI drives too, um, but I believe, uh, but it's certainly not available on drives that are connected to your FireWire or USB interface. It's only for drives that are inside your Mac.
0: Right. So So tell them what it is. uh, Smart is a system monitoring and reporting tool. Is that it? That's right. Uh, Something like that. Uh, What does it mean? What does it mean? What it means is you can ask your drive, are you okay? And if it's not, it'll say it's not. And there's a number of ways to get to this piece of information that's hidden within the hard drive other than it doing, you know, things like, uh, you know, grinding or smoking, is, uh, and my favorite way to do this is uh, something called Smart Reporter. Okay. Which is a little add-on that you can get for OS X. And uh, it'll put something up in the menu, and it'll query all the drives that are able to answer. And this is where it's interesting. It, it'll, you know, it, it'll list drives that may not be able to talk. That's why I was asking about the restrictions on Smart, because not all drives can support it. Right. It'll tell you which ones don't and which ones do. Uh, like for example, I think when I did try to plug in a FireWire, it said it, you know. Yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, well, it but can't. Yeah. It are, doesn't
1: have that communication path available right via the FireWire chain. So that's the that's the reason for it. Yeah.
0: So Smart Reporter is uh, my favorite, and I have it running all the time on my laptop. It, it puts something in the menu bar, uh, which normally shows a green drive, and if anything is is going wrong, it'll change to a different color, and then you should know that the drive is is saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not doing too well. You know, please t- do something quickly, like you know, back me up or replace me." Right. Um, the other place I've seen this is also in uh, Disk Utility itself. There is. Once you're in Disk Utility, if you look at each drive, there is one of the columns in the text summary on the bottom that says "Smart Status," and it should say, I guess, "Okay,"
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I, or something along those lines.
1: Huh? I never—I uh, I never knew that uh, that Disk Utility told me this. Huh? Really? Fascinating. Wow, you, learned,
0: you learned something today too. I Let did. Me just, uh,
1: yeah, no, you're, it's there. Um, you're absolutely right. So, the, the, there, uh, there are, of course many third party it says verified verified yeah is is
0: a message that means okay I'm I'm happy for now Yeah,
1: so uh I actually use disk warrior to check this disk warrior is mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh disk maintenance utilities uh, and disk warrior has a little daemon that you can install and leave running and it will monitor you know to check your drive regularly maybe once a week and if you've got a problem it'll alert you to it this is smart is the kind of thing that you know if your systems and the, and the, and OS 10 does not monitor this by default. Uh, obviously disc utility does, but OS 10 doesn't have a provision to just check this, you know, on a regular basis. So something like disc warrior that, that just sits in the background and checks this on reg- on a regular basis is a killer thing to have. Um, the other utility that I like for, uh, and this sort of gets onto the next topic is uh, for the same reason or for disc maintenance is drive genius. Now they both do some similar things and some different things. Drive Genius does more. It has more features than than Disk Warrior. However, I have found that uh if it comes to in the time to repair a drive more often than not Disk Warrior can repair things that in fact Drive Genius can't. Uh I don't know that I've ever found a situation where I guess I have where where you need both. But uh, for the for the purposes of the show, I went to optimize to do it. Uh, you know, uh, a yeah. why can't I think of the word? It's this cold, John. When you optimize a disk, you defragment, right? So, I, are you still with me, John? I'm with you. Okay, good. I, you were so quiet, I wasn't sure if Skype went away. So, <laughs> uh, so I went to defragment because I wanted to see if defragmenting my disk really made a difference, and. D- disk warrior will not defragment but drive genius will so okay fine so i fired up drive genius and when i went to defrag it said oh there's a problem with your your catalog you need to uh you need to repair it thought, okay great so i went with disk warrior or drive genius rather to repair it and it said it was fine so i went back to the mm-hmm. defrag utility and said no there's a problem well okay so i run disk utility No, it says it's fine mm-hmm. i rebooted to mm-hmm. command line and did a uh an FSCK. Nope, same thing it says it's fine. Ran disk warrior. Disk warrior rebuilt the catalog. It doesn't even try to repair it. Disk warrior just rebuilds it and uh and in the process of course repairs it. And uh and then I was able to run the, the Drive Genius defrag. So the defrag scan was smarter than Drive Genius's own scan for to actually clean the drive, but at least it knew that there was some problem that it had to fix. And uh and there you go. So the big question is: did defragging make a difference? Uh, I don't know. I think i had I had a lot of fragmentation, and I don't see any noticeable speed increase. Uh, maybe reading and writing to and from swap was a little faster but uh, but I, I think our, our advice to that defragging isn't entirely necessary stands, so there you go. I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, smart is self-monitoring analysis mm. and
1: reporting technology. There you go. Not what I said before. No. But, uh, All right. But hey. I tried another experiment, you know, after I defragged. Because my machine mm-hmm. gets slow. I have two gigs of RAM, right, in my MacBook Pro. You'd think that would be enough. No. I blowed up swap like crazy. And I don't run a whole lot, but I guess, I don't know, whatever. I figured, what if I just disable swap, you know? and, what? and yeah, just disable virtual memory entirely. Right? No. Disable
0: problem. Vir- uh, this is the feature that's built into the operating system that 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 it does for good yeah, reason.
1: That's right, and everything. And you're just gonna disable it. Yeah, and it's the feature that every application written for OS 10 expects to be there. It expects to be able to get any sort of allocation it needs. There's there's no such thing wow. as a hard limit, right? Yeah. Okay. So, well,
0: that sounds like a great idea.
1: Yeah, it so sure go does, go doesn't ahead. it? I backed up first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's a better idea. <laughs> yes, yes. The backing up was a much better idea. So I found uh, a, a way to disable virtual memory. And it was actually very easy. In the uh, And there's a Mac OS 10 Hints article that we'll link to that spells all this out. But in the slash Etsy slash RC file, there is a call to an application called dynamic underscore pager. And dynamic pager is mm. the engine that runs virtual memory. So I simply went in there, commented that line out, uh, went to the command line started up actually started up in single user mode mounted the drive read write, went and deleted all of the virtual memory cache files and uh and then started it up and it worked great until it needed that memory and then it would hit a wall and just sit there for like two minutes and then my system would be responsive again and everything would be great and it was really zippy zippy and then all of a sudden I'd hit the wall and then everything would be okay again you know yada 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 but at one point it got to where I couldn't interact with the machine, I couldn't really do anything, I had to go over to another computer and SSH in and, and force, quit, right. force quit some apps. Yeah, it, it was not the right thing to do. <laughs> I, it was the right thing to do so that I could sit here and tell you unequivocally, unequivocally, I hope, unequivocally. I hope you is. learned a valuable lesson. I did, and I'm trying to teach stadium. that to you. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, Don't do it uh get more ram don't run as many apps you know keep it managed i i have found that there are things that seem to have memory leaks um i, I chat seems to to bloat up ram quite a bit uh, i use it quite a bit so I, you know i think it with all the logs that it's keeping or whatever so and, at the end of the day memory leak just just uh oh yeah thank you
0: well, memory memory leak, uh, for most programming languages, what happens is that a piece of software will ask for memory mm-hmm. uh, in a dynamic fashion rather than having the operating system or someone manage it. The problem is, given this flexibility, some developers or languages, uh, if they have bugs in them, uh, will forget to give this memory back to the system. So the, the leak, uh, typically what happens, as as Dave hinted, is the application, if it's not well written and it has a leak, will keep growing and growing. And growing and growing until okay. it consumes all resources, which a lot of things do anyways. That, yeah. Um, it's, like when you, get in, <laughs> when you get a new computer, you want to load more and more and more <laughs>
1: software. That's right. So but, uh, just, just to explain memory leak. Yeah. No, thank you. That, that, that I was making an assumption again that I shouldn't have made. Uh, so, yeah. So, iChat, I found that at the end of the day, if I quit iChat mail, and I think the memory leak there isn't mail itself, although it might be the way it handles IMAP. I, I think it might be mail tags, which is, a again, a third-party bundle, and the developer seems to be aware of this and is working on it. Um, but, I, and again, I quit mail. And then the other thing that I got to quit a couple times a day is Safari. All by itself, Safari bloats up memory. Now you can – John and I went through that where you can empty the cache, and that certainly helps. But uh,
0: Yeah, I've noticed a lot of times that uh, – it tends to if you just leave it running and you never quit it, that it tends to build up, you know, images and and, and all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's horrible. And look at the Mac itself. It, so it's trying to do the right thing, but if you use it for an extended period, yeah. I think it's it, it's doing the wrong thing. That's right. It's trying to cache too much stuff for you.
1: Yeah, and there's no way to limit that. You can force it to empty the cache, which helps, but still doesn't get you back down to ground zero with with uh, the the memory footprint that it starts with. So. Quitting mm-hmm. apps uh, is much better than disabling swap. So there you go. I did want to tell you about TeachMac from teachmac.com. Uh, you've heard us talk about them before. They TeachMac is an, a learning environment. It is uh, an application that has all sorts of different modules available for learning various things. You can learn about Apple's mail and how to manage things there. You can learn how to do things in Photoshop. Uh, in fact, Bastion, the fellow who called in last, or uh, sent in a note last week and described how to do that whole uh, setting up the the multiple access to a NAS storage device for iTunes, he created a TeachMac module that is now in TeachMac and tagged with Mac Geek Gab so you can get that there. It is a fantastic way of learning new things and teaching other people new things. The module maker that they have is great. 49 bucks a year will get you a subscription and access to all TeachMac modules. Otherwise, you can get the application for free and download modules a la carte. Some are free and some cost anywhere between 5 and 15 bucks and all of that is available at TeachMac com so we move on and uh it seems like we are we move on we do move on we have to move on we've been here for 45 minutes so let's uh let's uh let's talk about maintenance scripts because i think that's an important note to hit here john
0: Definitely. So uh, the nice thing, well, it, it's there. You get it with Mac OS X. Of course, it's it's based on uh, OpenBSD. And one thing that you have in a lot of Unix operating systems is uh, the concept of a maintenance script. Okay. And uh, Mac OS X is no different. Uh, I found a nice page here at a, at a site that uh, I had not seen before, but I was searching for maintenance scripts, and uh, they sounded right on the money here. Uh, in that, there are Daily, weekly, and monthly cleanup scripts that are part of uh, a lot of Unix installations, including OS 10. And so I think their their suggestion in general, which uh, you know I think we've we've talked about this uh, in, in past shows when you're talking about maintenance scripts, yep. is if if a system's always on or heavily used, then they're going to kind of they'll they'll run. Okay, they we'll uh, we'll complete and they'll they'll clean out. I I, I don't even know the level of cruft they deal with, but you know we we assume that the uh, designers rotate logs of the and OS were, of things, were wise. And new on a daily weekly monthly basis you should clear all this junk out because people probably don't need it. Um, so that's a, a start we're gonna to link to their page going into more detail about this but the other thing is that there are you know thank you to the uh, Mac shareware and just software developer community there are several utilities that will let you get at the uh, innards of uh, OS X and kind of tweak these and, and do these um, on your own. Yep. Now you know. I would say, in in the sense of running these scripts, there's probably nothing bad that would happen if you did them. Uh, you know, when you shouldn't. Other than maybe you may be killing some performance if there's stuff that it keeps around for uh, performance reasons, uh, yep. some some caches and other things. Um, so I'd say the guidance is if the system is always up and running. You probably don't need these utilities unless you're curious, which, if you're listening, you probably are. Um, but if you're an infrequent user of the machine, then uh, what's probably happening is that the scripts are not getting run, and, and you could be building this stuff up over time. So, right. Uh, right to our cleanup thing. And now, I think, Dave, you've you've worked with uh, being a curious uh, type of guy here. I think you've worked with some of the utilities that they did mention in this uh, in this article.
1: Yeah, th- there's there's actually three utilities, and they all basically do the same thing. There's Onyx, Cocktail and Applejack, but they all operate in in a different in different fashions. Onyx, in addition to doing all the maintenance scripts, allows you to clear out caches, file caches and uh and then also do some user interface tweaks. Cocktail is similar, uh has some different tweaks, but basically the same thing. Note that the daily, weekly, and monthly scripts will clean out some junk files but will not clean out all the caches. And cleaning out caches and, and rebuilding, uh, uh, yeah, I guess, re, uh, re-permissioning, going through and, and rebuilding all the permissions or repairing all the permissions on the drive is, uh, is something that, that's worth doing. You've heard us mention it before. And the maintenance scripts will not do that stuff. So using Onyx and Cocktail uh, to do that can, can work out great. Um, I, I, I find it invaluable to, to run those on a semi-regular basis. Applejack is an interesting utility. It lets you do all of this stuff, but it installs itself at the command line level. And the cool part is it installs itself as part of the single-user startup as well. So once you've installed Applejack, if you reboot your machine and hold down Command-S, you'll be given the normal instructions for running the file system check, and then another little line that says... To run Applejack, type Applejack, and that, just having it there, knowing that you can do all this stuff from the command line if you get into trouble is key, so if you do only one thing after uh, listening to this show, go download Applejack, install it, and just leave it there, and then that way, if you ever have a problem and can't get into the machine, you've got Applejack, it's at least one more line of defense that doesn't require a GUI. And uh, very handy to have there. It, it'll run the file system check automatically. It'll clean out the caches. It'll repair permissions. I believe uh, it. It really, really handy utility to uh, to have. So there you go. That's my. Uh, I, I otherwise, if I don't use Applejack, I I actually prefer Cocktail. Although Onyx does a lot of the same stuff and it's free. So you uh, you get you get to make that choice. So there you go. Right, John?
0: Yeah. Still with? Yeah, me? I use. Uh, uh I think. Cocktail is the one that I've used the uh, mm-hmm. most recently, and it was, it's nice it how was they the break first it up. One. Yeah, yeah. As far as the the categories here, so so uh, you don't do too many, don't don't do too much damage. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think with this you really can't do any damage.
0: Oh,
1: uh, I, don't know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't guarantee that, uh, but uh, yeah, the lawyers wouldn't want you to say that. But uh, you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh. So I think we're uh, we're wrapping up here. Please send in your questions about this, uh, if you have, or any comments. If there's things that you do that we didn't mention here, please send those in. If uh, if you have any questions about what we talked about, or clarif- or want clarification, send that in. Next week we are back to right, uh, you know, standard answering your questions, listening to your comments, commenting. Do you have one last little rant for us, John?
0: Um, I think I'm ranted out. Sorry,
1: you are. Really? All right. Well, they're, they're
0: they're kind of they just they just come and go. Okay.
1: Know. I thought I, I thought I'd I could I just can't them produce already. them on demand. You can't? <laughs> I am not an animal. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to talk about Sync backup quick. You know how uh, we're all yeah. anticipating the time machine, right? The the Auto magic backups in, uh, yeah. in Leopard, right? Well, Sync allows you to kind of get that same functionality. What you do is you, dis- you define what you want to back up, and it can be your entire drive. And uh, you define where you want it to go, of course. And then it has this thing called zero scan. So the first time it scans through the drive, it takes a really long time and uh, builds an index of what's out there. And then it's got this little demon that runs, and I noticed it in Lingon, right? And it sits there and monitors everything that you do. And then when you run uh, sync again... It takes all of about four seconds to scan your drive and decides what it needs to back up, and off it goes. So you can actually have this thing running you know, every hour. You can have it running, you know, as often as you, as often as you like. You can, well, I mean, the, the, the scheduling is, I guess, every hour. Uh, it, you can pick what hours you want it to run and what days you want it to run on. And uh, I love this thing. And you can also tell it what you, uh, how long of an archive you want to keep. So. You can have it mirror your your data, and then also somewhere else you can have it store any changed files, so I've got it storing you know a couple couple three days worth of changed files and then mirroring my boot drive. so I've always got to mirror my boot drive and and then uh, any anything that's changed I've got a couple of days worth and then of course, I've always got my retrospect backups because I'm a backup fiend. Huh.
0: And, uh, I also noticed. do you notice um, uh, backup, Apple backup? There was mm-hmm. a recent update through software update. Yeah, it doesn't make anything better. I have to though. look at that. Yeah. No. It's no? Okay.
1: Useless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they gotta fix that. But uh, but in the interim, there's sync. Baby and they I, did. And, and there's a there's a couple of layers, of, a couple of different versions of sync. I'm I'm using the the very very basic one called Sync Backup, and it does exactly this. Works great. Uh, I highly recommend it. And uh, and they don't pay me to say that but uh, I'm happy to say it. Very cool little Not utility. Yet. I, f- I, I, I forget about it, uh, which is exactly how it should be. But, yep, I look, and it's Right on, running. brother. Yeah, it's the way to go. All right. Uh, <sighs> so how do we get out of here? What, uh, like I said, next week, we're back to your questions. Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded the podcast. The podcast marketplace is getting full. The 6i Isolator Earphones from Metamotic, the A5 Desktop Speakers from Audio Engine, TeachMac from TeachMac.com, Yojimbo from Barebone Software, and Audible. You can get the uh, the, uh, the 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 free download and the two week free trial. So there you go. That's it. Sweet. We're done, right? iTunes comments, Gmail, wherever,
0: wherever you want to. You, know, you can spray paint them. Uh, spray paint them. them. Your comments about our show. Where can you spray paint them? <laughs> we'll leave that up to you. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's get out what? of here. Two zero six 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 geek. MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. What were you going to say about spray painting, John? Do uh, you have
0: anything else to say?
1: The show notes are at uh, MacObserver.com slash podcast or at MacGeekGab.com. They will be. They will be. <laughs> Some of this because stuff's already there.
0: Because I was going to say if you spray paint what you think about the show. Yeah, there's something very important. You absolutely positively don't want to get caught. made of.